Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, why, hello there. I didn't see you coming through the door. Well, if I may, I would like to be the first to welcome you here to the Unlucky Lounge in historic Monoscrew Manor for our episode zero, our first little sampling of a podcast that I like to call Draft and Draft. My name is Cory Enriquez, and I am one of your hosts for this epic expedition into magic storytelling, fun, and of course, some iconic limited play. But I'm not alone in this cozy little establishment. No, behind the bar we have my co-host, and let's say a pretty unbelievable kind of guy. His name is Borak, and he is our very own bear tender. Hey, uh, Borak, do you mind doing me a favor and saying hello to all of our listeners out there? <coughs> you see, myself and Borak are here to serve up some drafts, talk about some drafts, Maybe even go back through Magic's iconic nostalgic history and revel in the great stories that have come from playing this fantastic game. Now, if you've tuned in to try and find ways to become better at this game, if I may, tune in somewhere else. (laughs) Now, that's not to say you might not learn something from listening to the show, but this podcast is about more than just playing the game. It's about the experience It's about those moments when you connect with someone that you sit across from. Those table moments. Be it an F&M, or a Grand Prix, or even being at a Commander Fest. It's when you play somebody, and you sit back afterwards, exhausted, mentally, even physically. But regardless, you walked away with a memory. Ultimately, my goal is for the Unlucky Lounge to be a place where you can hang out, where you can tell your stories. You can sit back and listen to some of ours, and it can be an area where we all connect, just like the game itself has done for so many people over the years. But today, I don't just want to tell you what you can expect from this podcast. Instead, I want to leave you with a little bit of a taste of the kind of stories that we are going to be telling here on Draft & Draft. And my first story is one that's kind of personal to me. I want to share with you a first-hand account of what Magic the Gathering means to me. But you may be asking yourself, how are we going to tell these stories? Well, if I look at the game, I kind of see each turn as a story unto itself. And so we're going to go through stories just like a magic turn which means we have to start with a very important phase. It's a little part of the turn known as the untap step. Let me assure all of you listening out there that that is no sound effect. That's an actual drink. I want this show to be authentic. I want it to feel like the kind of pub you'd go to back at home where everybody knows your name. Speaking of names, our very own bartender, Borak, Cheers to you, man. Thanks for the drink. Now, if you want to participate in the home version of this podcast, feel free to go ahead and find your nearest brew and crack it open with us. However, if you're traveling anywhere, be it on the open road or through the blind eternities, why don't you wait 
till you're done traveling to settle on back with a nice brew. Don't you worry, we'll still be here when you get to that point. Well, with the untap step all completed, it's time for us to move into the upkeep. And since this is my story with Magic the Gathering, I think I should give you a little background on who I am. You see, when I was a kid, I moved around a lot. I always made a joke that every two or three years we would end up moving, which I'll tell you what, made high school and middle school really, really easy. But regardless, I had to keep making new friends along the way. And when I was 10, 11, 12, I did that through organized sports. I played football, basketball, baseball. I did all the things that I was raised to love. Now, to this day, I still love watching a good game of football or basketball or baseball, but this isn't about me and sports ball. No, this is about Magic the Gathering. And when I started to get to my high school years, I started to grow a little disenfranchised with organized sports, mostly because I was really bad at working out and my body wasn't really becoming bulk very easily. So instead, I decided to pursue the realm of the mind, and I love soaking up everything that had to do with intellectual pursuits, be it academics or student council or even forensics. For those of you who don't know, forensics is also not just what you find on CSI, but rather the art of speaking. I got into this entirely new world, and I loved it. But how does all of this equate back to card games? Well, if you're like me and was a child of the 90s, you couldn't have grown up without the Pokemon franchise. I loved Pokemon. In fact, I still do to this day. But growing up, the Pokemon card game was a massive part of our cultural zeitgeist. Now, I had no idea how to play the game, but I collected the cards. They were pretty and they were super duper collectible. And that collecting mentality on one faithful day brought me into my local game store. I remember walking into that small little shop on the strip mall right next to the local Blockbuster video, and I went and bought myself a few Pokemon cards with the $20 bill that my mom gave me. I walked around the store, just kind of exploring, until I found my way to the back area with a bunch of tables and people laid out playing card games. And I thought that communal experience was so novel and so cool that I remember how joyous I was when the local players invited me to sit down and watch what they were doing. So now you see a bit of my background and how I ended up going to local game stores in the first place. But how did magic actually draw me in? Well, to learn that, let's go to the draw step. And interestingly enough, Magic really wasn't a game I started playing consistently for quite some time. It was because of the communal feel of the local game store that I decided to gravitate towards the games that they were playing. First up was the old school Dragon Ball Z card game. And I had no idea about the anime, I just knew this was a game that people were playing. And I enjoyed the interesting, dynamic, and strategic plays to it. And because of the card game, I watched the show. It's like they knew what they were doing, folks, but if it wasn't for that card game, 
I probably never would have gotten on the track to start to appreciate things like sci-fi and anime. And I think it started off my initial draw towards top-down design. After the Dragon Ball Z card game kind of lived its life, I went on to play some other card games as well. I ended up playing Yu-Gi-Oh for a while, but let's say the game's complexity wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Then I went on to play the Versus System card game, and to this day, I will attest that it is a phenomenal game. Eventually, myself and all my friends around me moved to Magic the Gathering as our main source of card game entertainment. And speaking of main, let's go to our first main phase. And in this, let's talk about my first beginnings with Magic. I started in the Onslaught block, but more specifically, I started in the Scourge set, and this is where they really kind of amped some of the tribal synergies up to 11. There was all the war chiefs and the dragons were just like the most insane things you ever saw before. I remember seeing Dragon Tyrant for the first time and someone explaining what Double Strike was, and my mind literally blew a gasket. I wanted to cast this dragon. Unfortunately, to this day, I have still yet to cast a Dragon Tyrant, but I'm kind of okay with that. Instead, these were the moments when you were a kid, and you had to play with what was open to you, or what you could easily trade for. Well, what was it that I could easily trade for? Well, it happened to be a little two-card combo that made me feel like I was the smartest kid on the block. The first card is something known as Dawn Elemental. It was four white mana, that's right, white, 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 for a 3-3 flying elemental. And its text read, prevent all damage that would be dealt to Dawn Elemental. Well, I combined it with a card known as Pariah. It's an enchantment aura, two colorless and a white, that said all damage that would be dealt to you is instead dealt to the enchanted creature. This to me meant that I would never be able to lose the game. All my opponent's creatures would deal all of its damage to Dawn Elemental, which would then be prevented. How could I lose? This was clearly young Cory not knowing about simple cards like Terror or Terminate or even a Bounce spell. But I didn't care. It still made me feel like an absolute champion. And I continued to chase that high as I explored 8th edition and beyond. And then we got to a set known as Mirrodin. And for you newer players out there who have never experienced the original Mirrodin block, whew, this was like magic at all the dials turned up to 11. The artifact synergies and the card drawing off of cards like Skull Clamp, Affinity for Artifacts. For a newer player, it was overwhelming. So much so that I took a break. I mean, besides, I had no idea if I'd have any time to actually play the game as I was graduating and going off to college. I mean, okay, fine, fair enough, Borok. Yes, I was getting my butt handed to me all over the place, and that was not as much fun as I'd like it to be. So, I took a break for multiple reasons. But that would all change very soon. One random day, walking around in the common lunchtime area at college, I remember 
coming across a group of people who were playing the card game. And I think to this day, all that is good for having the courage to go up and say, oh my gosh, that's Magic the Gathering. I know how to play that game. And I think all that is good as well that they invited me to sit down at their table. This happened now twice. Once at my local game store and another at college. There was something special about card games and gaming in general that brought people together. And to me, these kinds of games, Match the Gathering in particular, are not just about a set of rules or strategic elements. It's about a series of people with shared interests who can connect over impossible distances. And by distance, I don't just mean space. I mean the distance between people. And at this point in my life, when I was in a new town, in a new space, trying to become my own adult, I would say the game attacked my social life. And what a wonderful segue for us to go to the attack step of this story. Match at the Gathering ended up infusing itself into nearly every part of my life. I found friends through college. I found roommates that played the game. I went out and did things I never thought I would before, like drive from Minneapolis to Austin, Texas to go play in an Innistrad GP. I scrubbed out in like round three, but even though the trip was super expensive, it was totally worth it. I'm so surprised that even to this day, if I look back at that time, I would not have the friends that I have today if it wasn't for the game. In fact, one might say that my sphere of influence, my friend group, underwent a giant growth. Now forgive the magic pun parlance there, but with that in mind, let's go to the second main phase. This is where I want to highlight what the game means to me. To me, the game of Magic the Gathering is a social game. It's a way to find people when you're lost. It's a way to create a connection with somebody that you don't know. It's a way to, even if you're moving to a new town, find people with similar interests and interact with them on a person-to-person -person basis. And what's more fascinating about this is that magic itself is a game of dualities that sometimes look like they're at odds. It's both intellectual and it's creative. It's pragmatic, yet still leaves space for interpretation. It's real and illusory. And with all of these concepts potentially being at odds, Magic the Gathering still succeeds despite all the pitfalls that it could potentially fall into. Let's go ahead and move to the end step of this story time. And this end step is going to bring us back to the start. The name of this podcast, Draft and Draft. I didn't just make it because a good beer pun is something that amuses me, although it does. No, instead, I want to say why limited means so much to me. One of my main hesitations for getting back in the game was that I never thought that I could have a collection that would equal the power level of what I saw people were putting out in that time in Mirrodin. But then, I discovered 
the drafting format. Now, when you look at it, the surface layer is pretty clear and understandable. You take packs, you pass them around a bunch, and you make a 40 card deck. However, once you do some number of drafts, I don't know, 50, 60, you start to see there's more to it than just that surface level. But here's the real rub. It's deceptive in how complex it actually is. That same surface level, it makes it look like everybody is at the same playing field. Each person opens three random packs, and then you pass it around to everyone at the table. Some people end up in different colors, and that's how you get a fair, even card distribution. However, this is a format that rewards people who put the work in, that do research into individual formats. And so every three months or so, a new puzzle comes out. That puzzle is the new draft format. You relearn the new cards that are there, and it leads into different kinds of interactions. And those people that do that additional research, they're the ones that have that slight edge. And it was in this slight edge that I love to live. It made me feel like I could put work into learning more about the game and not be punished for not having owned 50 or $60 cards. In all honesty, I was way better at finding those tiny advantages in Limited than I ever was with playing Constructed. I was an off-the-wall kind of deck brewer. This was the kind of thing that I was doing. I was playing Sarkanvul to minus two him and steal my opponent's creature and then sacrifice it with Ooze Garden. I called the deck Sarkhan's Garden and I thought that I was the shit. I can confidently now say that I was definitely not the shit. Another reason why I love Limited is because I feel like it is the socially acceptable way of cracking packs, and I certainly do love cracking some packs. But one more point I want to make about Limited. Limited, to me, is kind of like radio, and it's kind of like jazz. It's like jazz in that it's impromptu. It's off the cuff. It evokes the feelings of embracing the chaos and variance, yet there's a rhyme and reason to the flow and how it all comes together. Drafting, to me, is like art and math mashed up into one. But what about radio? Why do we even talk about it in this day and age when we have our own miniature jukeboxes on demand in our pockets to play at our ready? Why should we even tune in when we can just put together a playlist of some of our favorite 90s songs? And yes, I do love 90s music. Listeners, let's talk about that too. But if you ask me, radio evokes the exact same feelings we get when we draft. We like the idea of not knowing what's coming next. We enjoy being surprised. We adore discovering something new, and all that can be found in a simple eight-man draft you find at your local game store. And finally, why else does drafting mean so much to me? Well, to me, drafting is what brought me and all my friends together. In almost all cases, drafts require more than two, three, four extra people. It requires a group of friends to come together and do what we all love. I mean, if you're going to invest about three to four hours in a house draft, you had better love it. And I'll tell you, I certainly did. 
To me, there was like a real visceral feeling to being in the basement of your friend's place gathered around a table that was inexplicably too big for the room and yet also too small for the draft that we were doing. And so you would end up finding corners in the room to lay out your playmat and draft the cards or quite frankly, the pile that you had just put together. Well, listeners, that brings us to the end of our story. But I want to leave you all with what you can expect out of this podcast. As I said before, this is all about creating an environment. I want it to be sociable. I want it to be relaxing and fun. Just like that space after you go and put in a hard, big, exhausting day of playing magic, you head out to the local Denny's or the local bar. You sit back and relax, but you can't help but still talk about all the magic that you played. And I want Draft and Draft and here in the Lucky Lounge to be that space for you in the podcast universe. I'm going to tell you some wonderful stories. I'm going to bring in some friends to tell you some of theirs. We're going to do top 10 lists. I'm going to give you some drinking games. I want to hear your stories. Maybe we'll even do a trivia game or two. But most importantly, I just want you to tune in and have a great time. Well, that'll do it here for episode zero, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Draft and Draft. This podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. All of its content can be found on any of your favorite directories, such as iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, or TuneIn. Also, take a look at Believe.com. They've got some great podcasts there as well, be it sports, movies, celebrities, or any number of various topics. Believe.com has a show for you. But most importantly, I want you to hit that subscribe button. It helps me know how many chairs I need to lay out every week here in the Unlucky Lounge. And don't you worry, I got a seat saved just for you. But before we fully wrap things up, we got to send it back to the bear tender himself for some final thoughts. Borak, my man, what are your final words for all of our listeners out there? Borak. For sure, those words were touching. Well, I don't know about you at home, but I've found the end of my bottle, and so we've reached the end of our episode. Until next time, go and brew up some memories of your own. My name is Corey, and thanks for listening in to Draft and Draft. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.